Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Who are you? That's the question I want to open with this morning. And that's the question I want us to have in our minds. Who are you? I believe that this passage um, is an incredible, significant passage. But I think the heart, the central question at the heart of this passage is that very one. Who are you? We're going to journey through this, through the eyes of Moses. And then we're going to flip it and we're going to see what God has to say. And then we're going to see how that impacts our lives going forward. And that's the journey we're taking this morning. So why don't we bow our heads and pray. Father God, I just ask humbly that you would be present with us again this morning like you have promised. And we ask that this morning you would speak through me to those who would hear it, God. Use me, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. We're in Exodus, second book of the Bible. Exodus, as most of us will know, uh, is the amazing story of God delivering uh, the people of God, the Israelites, from the oppression of the Egyptians and leading them out into the promised land. And it's largely told through the story of a man called Moses. The part that we're reading from this morning is the burning bush. 
It's an incredibly significant moment in history, in our history. I think whether you've grown up in church or you've not, you've probably heard of the burning bush moment. And in fact, actually, the significance, uh, people were aware of it at the time. And even uh, if you were around uh, at the time of the New Testament and the time of Jesus um, and you were Jewish, you would have been brought up with those stories. You would have pictured Moses. You would have pictured the desert. You would have pictured that bush. You'd have known it very, very well. In fact, we have gospel writers in the New Testament who reference that moment and call it the bush moment. People knew that story well, and, the, and other people receiving uh, the words of the, new, um, the gospel writers will have immediately known what the bush was, what that meant. It's an incredibly significant moment, and it is the moment that God intervenes, that God breaks in miraculously, calls somebody out of insignificance and darkness to save his people. It's the outworking of his promise. Genesis is the book that comes before Exodus, and uh, lots goes on. But one of the central themes, one of the central things that happens is that uh, through Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, uh, the nation of Israel is born. God's people has been chosen. And God, um, uh, he dishes out some promises in Genesis. And he says, I'm going to deliver you out of darkness. He says, there's going to be loads of you. And you're going to live in the land of milk and honey. And I'm going to liberate you. And Exodus is some of the outworking of that promise. And the man that we uh, view this story through, Moses, he's had a very interesting life up until this point. Again, some of you may know this, but we're just going to journey through it together. He was born uh, into absolute oppression. He was born into a time where the Israelites, we're told in uh, chapters 1 and 2 in Exodus that uh, the Israelites had become many. So they'd they'd grown. They'd they'd grown big time. Families growing into families, growing into families. They were having a great time. And about 200 years has passed uh, since the time um, of... uh, 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 of, of Genesis, of the end of Genesis. And, and that's loads of time for the tribe and nation of Israel to grow. And what happens is, uh, is Pharaoh uh, and the Egyptian rule that they live under has become, uh, it started to become nervous. And Pharaoh, in fact, has become aware of the number that they have grown to and has said, um, oh, we're going to need to control this. We're going to need to manage this because they may get to a point where they want to overthrow us. And if they join up with other people who are our enemies, they will attack us. Out of fear and out of desire to cling on to power, Pharaoh decides uh, to do a number of things. He enslaves the Israelites, and he also begins to cull them. He issues a decree that uh, newborn sons are uh, are to be killed, are to be executed, thrown into the Nile. Brutal, brutal regime. In fact, it's not totally dissimilar from what we see thousands of years later in our world today. It's not totally dissimilar uh, from the Holocaust, in fact. An awful foreshadowing of what's to come. These times were, were tough and oppressive and difficult for the Israelites. And that's exactly what Moses is born into. And because of the uh, incredible bravery of women... He is saved. He is placed into a basket uh, and sent down the Nile. And as a result, actually gets brought up uh, in the royal household by Pharaoh's daughter. Another woman who, despite her father's leadership, subverted it and said, I'm going to bring this child up. 
And the child is brought up in all things Egyptian. We're told in Acts chapter 7 that he is brought up in wisdom and in knowledge of all things Egyptian in the royal household. But he doesn't ever lose uh, the knowledge of his heritage that he's an Israelite. And so we have um, the beginning of Moses' story as a refugee (laughs) fleeing from terror. And then we also have the complete opposite of Moses being brought up in royalty. And so Moses' character and who he is, the question, who am I, is one that he is constantly churning over. But there's something in Moses that doesn't go away. We see that in Exodus chapter 2. There's this sense, there's this almost calling that he has uh, uh, to be a hero. You ask any Jewish person today, and they'll tell you that Moses is a hero. I mean, who do we see on top of the Mount of the Beatitudes? We see Elijah, Jesus, and Moses. I mean, he's a hero of the faith. But the thing is, nobody knew he was a hero then. But I believe that Moses did. He himself did. He thought, there's something in me. There's a drive in me to do right, to do good. We know that because uh, there is an instance where an Egyptian slave driver is beating an Israelite. Moses sees this when he's wandering about his people. And he looks left and right to make sure nobody's there. And he actually murders the slave driver, buries him in the sand, hopes that nobody finds out. But it's that sense of justice that he carries in him so strongly. It also leads him to another instance where he sees two Israelites uh, arguing amongst each other. And he decides to intervene and says, brothers, what's going on? Why are we arguing? Except this time, uh, he is rejected, actually, by his own people. He's rejected. And these people say, well, who are you to come in and to intervene into this situation? Who are you? So go away. Are you going to murder one of us like you murdered that Egyptian? And suddenly Moses realizes the cat's out of the bag. People know that he murdered somebody. People know that he's a murderer. And sooner or later, Pharaoh finds out and he's wanted for murder. Pharaoh wants to kill him, execute him. Moses flees into the desert terrified, fearful for his life, disappears. And at the time that he fled, he was about 40 years old. And for the next 40 years, Moses lives out his life, tending sheep, starting a family, living in obscurity in the desert. He's a nobody. He's gone from a refugee with an incredible um, uh, history of growing up through bravery and surviving into uh, growing up in royalty, into nothingness. See, Moses constantly was asking the question, who am I? And he thought he had the answer. But the thing is, the problem was that he tried to answer that question without God. The burning bush moment is the moment that God intervenes. It's the moment that God says, who are you? And tells him. You see, Moses was in obscurity. He was insignificant. He was a murderer. And he was now living his days out in the desert, throwing the towel in. No more stories of heroics. He had tried to live out his calling without the one who called him. He had tried to use his gifting without the gift giver. 
And it doesn't matter whether you're coming in from a a life of poverty and yet you've survived it, or you're coming in through a life of royalty uh, and significance. Ultimately, if you live life without the one who has called you, it's only going to lead you in the desert. It's only going to lead you into insignificance, into nothingness. But the story doesn't end there, and we know that. You see, our God is a God of redeeming stories. Our God is a God of making things meaningful when they are meaningless. And we know the story. So, so God meets uh, with Moses through the bush. It's incredible. It's miraculous. The bush isn't burning up. He speaks to Moses. He says, you're going to go and, and together we're going to set my people free. And we know the story after this passage. It's, it's an incredible uh, story. Plagues. Uh, in, they're on the run. They run through the Red Sea. It's fantastic. If you want to see um, a brilliant uh, film adaptation of it, The Prince of Egypt is actually brilliant. It's a, it's a children's film, but it's, it's, it's incredible for this. But the moment I want to specifically focus on is when Moses first sees the bush and God calls out to him. Here we have a man who's insignificant, remember? He doesn't know who he is. He's asking that question, who am I? I thought I knew who I was, but it turns out I'm nothing. And suddenly the bush is calling out to him by name, saying, Moses, Moses. And as Moses approaches the bush, God, through the bush, says, don't come any further. You're on holy ground. Take off your shoes. You see, that spot in the desert, um, Moses would have known this area really well. He's been tending sheep there for 40 years. This isn't a new spot that suddenly he's discovered, a new holy place that he'd never been to. No, this is just another dry, dusty part of the desert, except this time God has come and made that ground holy. It wasn't holy before, but it was now because God made it holy. He consecrated the ground. To be holy is to be devoted and in service to God. And God made that ground in service to him so that he might communicate with Moses. That's exactly what he's doing to Moses. He's taking Moses out of the dirt, out of the nothingness, out of the dryness of his life. And he's making Moses holy. He's bringing significance where there was insignificance. He's calling Moses out. And saying, no, 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 I don't care about your past. I don't care about what's happened. You're now coming, you're now coming with me. Moses has two responses. Firstly, he says, well, who am I? That question comes up again. He goes, well, who am I? And if you were skim reading through this passage, you might think that actually God ignored his question. Because God's answer is, well, I will be with you. And you think, well, how's that the answer? I will will be with you. But do you know what? I think Moses knew exactly what God was saying because his second response says, well, who are you? And he asks this brilliant question in a way that I'm sure loads of us have done before. If you have any uh, friends who are doctors um, and, and, and you've got maybe something embarrassing or something that you don't really want to go to the doctors about and you just say, oh, can I, um, can I ask you a question? 
and you say, um, you see, I, um, I've got this friend who's got this thing, and he's really embarrassed about it. And I just wondered, um, if you were my friend, what would you do? What would you say to my friend, just so I can pass it on to my friend who's got the embarrassing problem? It's not me. It's my friend. And if your friend was gracious and kind, the doctor, they would say, well, I would say to your friend, put some cream on it and it'll go away in three weeks or something. <laughs> and in the very same way, God, uh, Moses asks the same question. He goes, well, suppose I say all of this stuff and, uh, and they go, well, who's your God? Suppose they ask that. I'm not asking that. Suppose they ask that. And God says virtually the same answer. He says, well, I am who I am. In fact, the phrase I am is the same that we've translated previously into I will be with you. I think Moses and God knew what was going on there. Moses wasn't asking two separate questions. He was asking the same question. He says, who are you? And God says, I'll be with you. He says, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. And then he says, who are you? And God says, well, I will be with you. You see, those questions are interchangeable in the eyes of the Father. Because here's the thing, when we know who he is, then we know who we are. It's from him that we draw our significance. Moses immediately reverted to, well, who am I? The very same question he was asked 40 years ago by those Israelites in the streets. And God's going, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about that. This is about me with you. And he says, well, well, who are you? He says, well, hey, this is about me with you. We are doing this together. God is calling out of the dust and obscurity and insignificance something holy. And now, as we know the story, when Moses returns and goes after this, this thing, this calling, he's doing it with God. And it's not going to lead him into dry places. It's going to actually liberate the people of Israel, God's chosen people, from oppression. And that answer that God gave, I am we know the answer. We've heard that answer before. It's the answer that says, I'm here. I'm faithful to my promises. I made a promise before and I'm going to fulfill it. Where before Moses had relied and focused and put his faith on the promise, now he's realigned his sight and is focused on the promiser. And that's what God is calling us into. And we hear that I am, I am answer again. A good time later when Jesus is on the streets. Jesus, Son of God. Jesus, God in human form. Jesus says, I am. I am here. I am the fulfillment of the promise. I am here to liberate you and give you life, life in all of its fullness. 
I am dependable. <coughs> it's, uh, it's like the words of the famous Swedish prophets, otherwise known as Abba. Knowing me, knowing you. That's what God's saying here. You know me, you know you. And when we try and answer those questions ourselves, it only leads us into dry places. When I was uh, in university, in my first year of university, um, I went through a number of uh, life changes um, which led me to a place where I just thought, you know what, I'm done relying on other things. I'm done relying on God. I'm done relying on other people. I'm 18 years old. I know it all. I'm just going to do it myself. And it was a nightmare. I spent my first year of university uh, trying to find who I was in all kinds of places. And many of the things and the promises that I've made to God, uh, I, I broke. Many of the ways that I'd chosen to live, and live before I went to university, uh, I lived in the complete opposite way. And it left me empty, it left me dry, it left me insignificant. You see, when we try to go it alone without God, it only leads us into the desert. But the good news is, is God wants to pull us back in. He wants to make the ground holy again. He wants to call you and walk with you. And the beauty of it is, when we cry out and we say, who am I? He says, I am with you. So this morning... We started with the question, who are you? But perhaps the better question to leave you with is whose are you? Whose are you? If you've come here this morning and this is all new to you, church is new, God is new, and you've spent uh, however long in your life trying to answer that question, who am I? And you've kept coming up empty. Nothing is fulfilling you. You were left dry. Then this morning I asked the question to you, well, whose are you? Do you want to belong to the God who promises to be with you? Who promises to never leave you? who loves you and has compassion over you. Or perhaps you're somebody who's been in the church for years and years and years, generations in fact. Growing up as a Christian is the first thing that you remember, and that's fantastic. But perhaps there are still areas of your life where you're going, don't worry God, I've got this. Oh, don't worry God, um, I've, got some, I've got some gifts here, I can deal with this. Or, or I think I know what my plan is, so I'm just going to go after that. Don't worry about this, God. I don't, no, we don't need to talk. I, I'm just going to go after my thing. Moses tried that. 
He went after his calling without the one who called him. He went after his gifting without the one who gave him the gift. God says, I'm with you, I am. Forget about the promise. It's all about the promiser. And from that place, we find significance. From that place, we find holiness. From that place, we find closeness to the Father. And as Jesus promised, he'll give us life in all of its fullness.